You're listening to the Comics in Motion Network. And if you don't subscribe, you're a bloody fool. Welcome to the Comics in Motion, The Last of Us podcast. It is me, your host, Rhea. I am here to talk the last episode of The Last of Us, Look for the Light, episode nine. We made it to the end. We've cried, we've laughed, we've mostly cried. Uh, We've had our hearts ripped out multiple times. Some people deserve to die. It was amazing. Fuck you, David. Uh, Other people did not. We love them. I have got a cold, so I want to hand over to my guests and let them do most of the talking. It's returning guests, Katie and Carl. Hello. Hello. We're here. We're back. How are you you feeling? It was a slog. In a a good way. In a very good way. (laughs) It was Um, a good slog. I What's don't know. A good slog? Like swing through treacle. I think that'd be a good slog. Is that a good slog? No, that's a bad I so. slog. I think no, people say like that's bad. Is it? Yeah. What no. do you mean? Like nice things. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> what it's would be? Good. Oh, okay. Oh my god. Okay. This is a this is a weird question. What would be a nice thing to swim through? Custard. <laughs> yeah, custards. Um. Angel delight. Oh, oh my no. god, Angel Delight. No, no, I'm not up for that. That would be disgusting. It's both soft and grainy and solid and not... Well. I think we've got a podcast to do, Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Katie, we're waiting for you. What would be a nice thing to swim through? Uh, I think I was just thinking what I could eat while I was swimming. Yeah. So I think I'd probably have custard because you custard's nice cold and you wouldn't want to swim in something hot, would you? And what about like warm, tepid? Would you want to swim through something cold? Mm, I'd want to swim through something cold rather than tepid. Tepid, tepid custard or like tepid beans. Oh, I mean, but you know where you are if it's cold. I, I eat any temperature level of beans. I'm the disgusting person who scoops the last ones out at the bottom or at room temperature. Disgusting. So you'd be fine in an apocalypse without oh, yeah. access to a fire, whereas Kate and I would starve because we're like cold beans. No, that's no, fine. No. We'll just wait for we'll wait for the next stove. So, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think cold beans are superior to warm beans. Yeah, no, just no. Oh, I mean, there you go. Podcast done. <laughs> I think you're both <laughs> so <laughs> disgusted with me. Yeah. We can't talk about this anymore. Okay, so bear with me. I'm going to try and get through an episode synopsis without a cough. So good luck to us all. I'll make it a quick one. Episode nine, we have a cold open, a flashback to who we don't know at the time, but we all know who it is. Ellie's mum running through some woods, running into a house. Uh, Clicker is following her, gets bit, has a baby. Blah! Um, <laughs> gets the cord. Uh, we know she's infected. We know this is going to have some sort of effect on Ellie. Uh, she's found by Marlene, who takes Ellie and kills her. Ellie's mum is called Anna. At Anna's request, we come back to the present day. Ellie has lots of PTSD following, I think it's, it feels like it's about a month or so because it was winter and now it's spring, following her time with David. Well, I hate you. Um, Joel's trying to be like, hey, remember how we're friends? Boggle. Everybody remember Boggle. <laughs> Forgot that game existed. Used to play that a lot as a kid. Um, they have some heart-to-hearts break our hearts once again and get caught by the fireflies 
Marlene, love of fireflies. We'll talk about this later. Decides, ah, I'm just going to kill her to make a cure. Perfect. Science. Great science thing there. And Joel goes, <laughs> well, we'll see about that. They managed to take out a whole goon, goon squad of fireflies. I keep on saying the word goon. I don't know why. I did it last Bunch episode. A Bunch of goons. And let's say rescues Ellie, if that's the word we want to use. Mm. Leaves, kills Marlene. He and Ellie head back to Tommy's. Ellie tells him about Riley. She discusses if what he told her that happened with the fireflies was true. He tells her he lies to her and says, yes, it is. And she says, the best okay in, in TV and game history. Okay. And that's it. That's where we leave it. I mean, compared to last week, that was an excellent episode synopsis. But I'm sure <laughs> we'll get into details. Last week was chaotic. Um, and Did you also, sob? Uh... <laughs> you sobbing in the synopsis. <laughs> I was just, last episode, I was just, very very overexcited because obviously it's my favorite part of the game it's now my favorite episode of the show and Ooh. I kept on saying it's not going to be me just talking and then I just talked over everybody and was incredibly <laughs> rude and was overexcited chucked all my notes out the window and uh and editing it was an interesting experience <laughs> I went, did, did, did you say anything of substance through did you let your guests talk or did you just talk all over them um so yeah so let's just get cracking let's just get through it how i mean did we all recognize ashley johnson just from the sounds of her panting yes uh, this is what i, I said like, to what katie this, doing? the second she's the first moan i'm like oh it's it's ellie the weird thing for me was though because i'm a huge fan of critical role um so for me it's the grunting and the guttural noises and the panting it's like oh that's ellie as soon as she starts pe- speaking it's like oh that's pike trickfoot from critical role or that's um tasha from critical so it's her voice now for me isn't ellie anymore it's critical role but the noises that she makes is clearly ellie so yeah that was a a lovely little um cameo by by ashley johnson and that's there's another so one later i'm sure we'll get to i loved it um i thought the episode felt really quick compared to the others should anyone else feel like that like it just um we watched it again and it it was just really quick i don't know if it felt rushed but yeah i've been going back and forth i don't it I'm, i'm in two minds whether it felt rushed or not it hit all the key beats that it needed to hit but it did feel as though it this unlike all the other episodes was very much set piece to set piece there wasn't a huge amount of story development or character development. It was more about get to here, get to here, get to here. This happens, that happens, done. Which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but I think that, again, I know you don't like comparing it to the game all too much, Rhea, but there is a significant portion of time between all the stuff that happens with David and then the hospital scene. And it's both in the TV series and in the game. That's when Joel really starts to open up. And the difference is with the game, you spend time in that and you really, really see that relationship between Joel and Ellie kind of start to blossom. And you get some of those beats in the in the TV series, but you don't get the same chance to kind of live in that moment and really kind of appreciate that relationship. Just because, of, of, again, the, the kind of shortness of the episode, the, the sort of condensed nature of needing to get to these these clear sort of beat points and, and get through it. But yeah, I mean, to, I don't know if it was rushed as such, but it, it did feel 
a lot shorter than than the other episodes. Yeah, this is the episode that feels like it's a video game, a TV show made off a video game, and yeah. it feels like it's the 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 cinematic cutscenes from the video game. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I, I for me, I mean, I think for the episode itself, the pacing was really good. For the C- series overall, it suddenly felt like okay, we're suddenly at the end. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because I wanted more or. I don't know how it will feel when I rewatch the series as a whole over the next week or so. I did and I have a life. talk to someone at work <laughs> who hadn't played the game. He kind of knew what it's all about, but he'd never played the game. And I, I sort of said to him, did, did it feel rushed? And he went, no, not really. It kind of, it got the story over. So I think that it could just be because we'd lived in it so much more playing the video game. Maybe that's why it felt rushed to us. And, and maybe that wasn't the case with people coming into it kind of fresh. Um, but yeah. But then also how much um, murder, like, (laughs) I mean, what was it going to be? An hour of Joel slaughtering absolutely everyone in the hospital. (laughs) I think that's uh, what I kind of, until I started thinking about the whole of the season. Do you want more giraffe time? Yeah. Until I thought about the whole of the season, there's very little violence. You know, this is a, it's a survival horror series but there's very little violence throughout the whole of the the season. And then you've got this basically 10 minute scene of Joel just mowing down people doing kind of everything in his power to save Ellie. So it's almost like they'd saved up their quota of violence just to be unleashed. And I think that that made it so memorable. The fact you're going from this, okay, yeah, survival horror. Yeah. It's, it's scary at times. Yeah. It's emotional at times, but there's not really that, that level of sort of carnage to then get all of this. Did you watch the last episode? The one before? Oh, um, there was that there was that moment where it goes through it, but it, it's That's not like, that kind was more of... like personally brutal, whereas this was yes. much more detached. Yeah, oh completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, even to the point that you've got kind of that guy surrendering and, and Joel's just like, like pet shop, move on. Yeah, um, I mean, I I'm very happy to jump around in the things that we're talking about. So let's just start talking about this scene then I guess um this I completely agree with you my note is pretty much exactly the same that this is where they're saving up the violence for right to show what somebody will do for someone that they love but also specifically show Joel and how he there's you know Ellie says to him earlier there's no halfway and that's what Joel is in the scene. There is no halfway. He is completely detached. He's completely, you know, he's not going through it like he's Superman or anything like that. He's just, his sole focus is anybody with a gun, anybody with a weapon is in between me and Ellie and they, I am going to take them out. You know, he doesn't shoot the three nurses that are there in the in the surgery room surgery what do they call those rooms operating room operating theater excellent uh i am not a doctor um you know he doesn't shoot them they are not in not the way exactly they're not a threat whereas anybody else is he he just disassociates to the fact that they are human beings right it was wonderful in his performance there's just yeah. how do you act blank how do you act as somebody who's disassociated like just absolutely ridiculous and so it's not that he's more competent than the fireflies although some of them have been to stormtrooper school it's more that he <laughs> he is just got that sole focus 
look, I will shoot you no matter what. And it's kind of like, that's why he doesn't, that's how, that's my interpretation. That's why he doesn't get hurt. Cause it's just sort of, he's just beat by beat, bam, 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 shooting people. Yeah. Brutal. It is a brutal sort of scene, but it, it's, it's needed and it, it, it does work very well. Um, Going back to the beginning, just because it's on my mind, and if I don't mention it, I'll forget it. What was your thoughts, Ria? Because I think you're good at asking questions, so we'll get you to answer one. What was your thought on, obviously, in, in the video game, again, it's never explicitly said, but it's really thought that kind of Ellie is a kind of one in a million miracle. Uh, there's 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 no real explanation as to why she is who she is and, and why she she has the immunity that she has. And while it's not explicitly stated that that is exactly why that she's got it, the whole kind of bite umbilical cords sort of moment, what's your thoughts to that sort of change versus kind of what was said and not said in the the other medium? I think it's great. I think there's something so interesting in bringing Ashley Johnson in as Ellie's mum, which... Now, when you see them together, you're like, oh my God, they look alike. Yeah. Just completely mad. Didn't really, because, you know, I've very much seen them as separate performers and separate performances. And now I'm just like, oh, wow, okay, actually, that's pretty amazing casting. Mm. Um, we also think it, it, for me, having Ellie have her immunity that way makes the ending and what the Firefly Doctor is planning to do more murky more gray morally gray you know i think there's well let's just let's just talk about the beginning i love this i love this jumping around it's exciting chat um somehow less chaotic than last week um <laughs> yeah so th- this whole scene where ellie's born is absolutely amazing neither of you have had a baby but uh hands up to anna for being able to run so much whilst nine months pregnant absolutely freaking legend and clearly and from what properly in labor because yeah. ellie just plopped out right <laughs> i love that ellie i love that she's so focused on killing the clicker that she doesn't even realize that she's That's like done her three pushes and out the painful childbirth they they clearly need to put you in a really high stress high pressure yeah. environment <laughs> yeah. and you just won't focus on the birth so yeah oh my god I that's the nhs amazing. to pick that I one loved up it. <laughs> It was and so good. There's the amazing bit for me as somebody who has given birth and had a very dramatic water breaking of her obviously putting her fingers between her legs, having the water on her hand, and then going to open a doorknob and her hand's so wet the doorknob doesn't open. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Thank you. I love so, I love so many of these touches of just being a woman <laughs> throughout the entire show. You know, we've also got like the, the, the tampons, menstrual cups, the, the tampons, yeah. the oh shit, my water's broken and now my hands soaking wet and I can't open anything. There's a clicker behind me because that's just really normal. Of course, um, of course, um, and you know the I for me as well <laughs> because I've had a child, so we get kind of obsessed with them. It's like after she's given birth to Ellie and she's cut the cord, and there's this amazing, beautiful scene when she's holding Ellie and baby Ellie, who looks like it's like a super fresh baby as well and is like touching her face and stuff like that in my mind I went oh no and now she has to give birth to the placenta and I thought no she doesn't (laughs) she's gonna turn into a clicker she needs to give birth I was like like, the one relief after childbirth 
just not gonna bother doing that. Good, good for you, Anna. I, like <laughs> I can't believe that's where your mind went. Yeah, the placenta. I mean, giving birth to that was no, it was all pretty bad, but that was unpleasant. So you know, you got to give birth a second time. That. Yeah. See, my mind just went to the fact that if it wasn't a risk because she'd been bitten, then using that knife covered in clicker blood, then that's yeah. certainly going to be, you know, but. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? So she's bitten, and so when so she cuts the cord, and she obviously knows that Ellie hasn't turned. You know, she's she knows she's going to turn. Marlene walks in, knife to her throat, as in Anna's got the knife to her throat, ready she to kill herself. She even had the scratch mark on her neck. Yeah, yeah. Ex- you know, like... explains to Marlene, I've, I've not breastfed her. She's hungry. I, I couldn't kind yeah. of risk it. Yeah, when... but then she's like, I cut the cord after. No, no, before. Before. Before no, I got bit. Yeah, before. Marlene knew. That's what was going to be my question. Do you think Marlene knew? Yeah. I think I that Marlene was really know. strong through all of that. But mm. I just think there was a bit of sentimental that she couldn't kill a baby. What do you think? She, do you think? I don't know. I think that she was possibly in two minds about whether it was. And I think she was resigning herself to if it came to having to kill the baby, she would do it, but she was going to kind of give her the benefit of the doubt. And then I think that then as Ali grew, she would have thought, oh, okay, she must have got the cord beforehand. Otherwise, you know, the baby would have turned. But it's not until 14 years later that she, she'll re-meet Ellie after having given her up to, you know, to, to Fedra to realise actually there was an immunity there. So I think that otherwise, knowing the fireflies, they would have been, I think, purposely experimenting on on pregnant women to try and build up a a larger base of people. You know, I think the fact that that she must have believed her, whether at the time or afterwards, because of the fact Ellie didn't turn, um, I think that she would have thought that no, that that was the case. Um, mm, it's interesting because in such a short scene, there's a complexity of friendships there. Of you know. Uh, Anna says to her, how long have we known each other all their lives? So they've grown up together. They've survived everything together. Um, They're both part of the fireflies together. And at the same time, Anna's saying before, and she says it twice as she looks at Marlene and says before. And is she saying, lie for me, lie to everybody else for me? Or is she trying to just reiterate and reconfirm the fact? And it is unclear. I read it as the lie for me. Yeah, the in- really intense stare was like just life for me. Knowing the other guy was outside, knowing other people could have been listening, I took it as life for me. Especially because then Marlene doesn't want to shoot her. Right, their friendship means so much that Marlene doesn't want to shoot her, and goes back and does the yeah. right thing yeah. and shoots her. Although that guy, she says, cover cover her ears, cover Ellie. Yeah, doesn't, one the one, it's one job. Yeah. He literally had one job. Useless, absolutely useless. So that, and that makes it really interesting when you then think about that Marlene gives Ellie to the Fireflies. So, not Fireflies, to Fedra. So, what are your thoughts on? So, Anna says to her, Anna doesn't say to Marlene, you take her and you look after her, which is very interesting. She says, give her to someone where she will be safe. So, what do you think is both Anna's thought process and then Marlene's thought process in giving? Eddie to Fedra. I think from Marlene's perspective, I think that she probably was doing right by her friend by giving her to Fedra because I think that 
you know, the, the one place you don't want to bring up a child is in a fanatical group where members are dying left, right and centre. Um, so I think probably the safest place for her would have been Fedra. Um, what I don't know is if Marlene was ready just to sort of for that to be that. I think probably so. I think it's just sort of serendipity that they then find each other again later on. But I don't think probably Marlene was keeping tabs on her. I think that, you know, in her mind, she'd she'd done right by Anna and, and that was it. She'd, she'd given Ellie the best opportunity she could and, and that was it and over. Um, and I think Anna probably knew that of Marlene and probably knew that that she would do right by her, whatever that would be, um, and probably would be outside the Fireflies, personally. Katie? I think that Marlene was keeping tabs on her. <clears throat> and it just seemed obvious that Marlene isn't going to raise a baby. So <laughs> I feel like they would have had this discussion. Like, Anna was so... Um, rational and considered with everything she was saying I felt like that's maybe something they discussed before like if this has happened this if this happens this is what should happen to my baby and it didn't feel like um a big shock that that's what was going to happen to Ellie but I do I did think that Marlene had kept tabs on Ellie somehow but not necessarily from a maternal perspective but for a, through the her friendship with Anna because she promised to deliver her somewhere. See, I, I don't know, because when when obviously we've got the, the throwback um, to the episode with with her and Riley, they're, they're, Riley's on it all about, you know, trying to get her to come, Ellie to come with her. And I think that there is the moment where, where Ellie asks, you know, have you spoken to her about this? And she's like, no. And I think that had, had Marlene been keeping tabs and she would have known that Riley was was Ellie's roommate and would have been trying to push for that maybe. So I don't think that she was keeping tabs. I don't think it matters either which way, but I, I don't think that she probably was. I don't think she's got that that maternal streak really. Um, it's kind of good that Ellie doesn't know this. I think that would be like fully heartbreaking for you as yeah. a fourteen year old, knowing that your mum's best friend, even though she's the leader of the Fireflies gave you to Fedra school as an orphan and then sort of didn't really whether yeah, she even if she was keeping tabs on her or not wasn't involved any yeah. any further yeah. yeah didn't tell her anything about her mother or anything like that like does Ellie even know that the knife is from her mum we know the knife's precious to her so we know but she doesn't know the circumstances mm. so it's probably probably good that Joel ends up shooting her twice so Ellie doesn't get to <laughs> Feel even sadder about her life. Um, so we then go back to present day, and we've got Ellie clearly huge, hugely, hugely traumatized by everything that happened with David. And we have the wonderful reverse of the beginning of the show, where it was Ellie talking all the time and Joel not saying anything, and now she's closed off and he's talking. Apart from Boggle, which was clearly the best bit, because um, <laughs> first of all, fantastic name. Boggle. I always for I forgot that the game was called that. Fantastic word to say. And uh, just hearing a toy from my childhood being mentioned in post-apocalyptic zombie land is uh, pretty exciting. How do you feel that... So let's talk up until the giraffe scene. How do you feel their, uh, that This is kind of what changed? I was alluding to earlier and this is the moment I'd, I'd have loved to have spent a bit more time in in the tv show 
that this is really, I think, as you, you rightly say, this is where the dynamic changes, really. You've now got Joel talking. He, I think, you know, he clearly understands something isn't right. He doesn't know what to say. He just needs, he knows he needs to kind of say something just to keep talking, to try and get Ellie talking. But he doesn't really kind of know what it is. You know, you've got him sort of cracking, not quite dad jokes, but, you know, jokes to try and get Ellie engaged with, the, you know, the whole dynamite joke. Um, so I think that that I would have loved to have spent more time in that moment. But it is a really interesting change of dynamic where, as you say, you've, you've now got Ellie that's closed up, really suffering from this this PTSD, from this trauma um, and, and Joel trying to to kind of do whatever he can to, to get her talking, get her out of it, just get her feeling better. Cause you can tell he deeply cares for her, but he's, he's not really sure what to do. Um, you know, having had a kid, it's probably been what, 20 years since he's, he's been around a kid of that age. So I think he's probably just a bit lost in, in, in regard to how, do, what do I do? How, how do I, how do I fix this? I thought the, um, what was really interesting throughout the episode is the switch between the parent-child relationship and at the start it's Ellie who's kind of the the rational one the parent um Joel is the nervous one looking for games trying to crack jokes and then it switches again during the really traumatic um hospital scene and there's you know he's carrying her like a like a young child and then again when they leave it it's Ellie again so Joel's lying to her um he's reminiscing he's talking about anything but what's happening and it's Ellie who's back into the parent mode um so I thought that was really interesting that Ellie was she seemed a lot I think the trauma seemed to have really just smashed away her childhood and any element of that kind of fun um light-heartedness or enjoyment in the like uh goriness of this new world was kind of ripped away and the only slight kind of pause in that was the giraffe bit and why wasn't that longer and that's why i said to you because we were watching it and i think the only thing that kate and i really said to each other is oh do you think they put the giraffes in just to kind of appease the gamers and i went no you you need to see ellie as a child again you need to see her she's she's a 14 year old kid and you need to see that again yes she's suffering from ptsd but you kind of need to be reminded of the fact that She's a kid at the end of the day that's been through all of this. And I think you need that reminder. And that's the perfect opportunity. That's why they, I think, added it and made sure it was in the, the, the TV show. Not just to appease us gamers. But I think really to kind of hit home on, she's she's a kid. You know, she's she's got still that childlike wonder, even though she's been through all this shit. And that then perfectly sets up the conversation that, that her and her and Joel then have. You know, him talking about, have you got any second thoughts and her kind of being, you know, it can't be for nothing. Um, but then, you know, once it's all over, I'll kind of follow you wherever you want to go. But but I kind of need to do this. I need to make this all be about something. But didn't that sound appeasing where she was like, um, we need to do this really important thing and then we can do whatever you like, Joel. We can go back to Tommy. We can go to the moon. Like, I thought that was, again, her appeasing him as if he was the child in that relationship. I, I didn't think it that way. I thought it was her honestly kind of just being like, look, I need to do this for me, for, for, for all the things I've been through to make sense, for me to feel validated in the decisions I've had to make to kind of getting to this point. I need to do this. And then I get our relationship now. I'm then happy to kind of follow you anywhere and do anything, but I need to do this for me. 
I think I saw it more in in an honest, very open way, rather mm. than that kind of um, reverse parent-child dynamic. It's a way of her expressing love, I think, as well. She doesn't know how to, so she's saying, "I love you. I trust you. I will do all of these things." And you know, sheep farm, Tommy's, the moon, wherever is kind of like we are each other's person. Because we get that this. again later mm. on. Um, I think then the, the the next scene really is then they've they've moved on a bit further, and then Joel's talking about you know I'm I was the guy that shot and missed, and they have that whole conversation. Mm. Um, and then it's it's that whole piece where um, Joel kind of looks at her and she's like, yeah, no, I, I get it, I, I know why you're telling me this. Neither of them can kind of say it, but it's this kind of unwritten understanding that they both care for one another. And then it's that whole, you know, time heals all wounds, I guess. And and his kind of reply of, well, you know, it wasn't time they did it. And that kind of understanding that they're both on the same page. And I think it's that same thing in the scene before where it's, I'll follow you anywhere you go. I think it is that, you know, there is a, a definite love between them, but neither of them want to kind of break cover and explicitly say it. So it's kind of being done in a kind of roundabout way without kind it's of the words they're not saying up. isn't it it's yeah. the you know it's the sometimes you read a book and it's not the words on the page that are important it's jaws isn't about the shark you know it's that classic <laughs> yes classic thing so we we will talk a bit more about the giraffe but before the giraffe which is the star of the show the i would say the second name on the poster is the ladder it's a great <laughs> work from that ladder i was and we like got the boost we got the boost, we got some pallets and some boosts, and that ladder, I'm sorry. And then he drops it. <laughs> that ladder needs some sort of Oscar. The way it wobbled and fell, I was like, how have they engineered this ladder for? And I know this is a weird thing to be obsessed by, but I was like, it was just so good. Like, I've watched that scene, like, genuinely gone back and around it. I have, a, I have a question for you then, Rhea. Uh-huh. If you had to have your... Um ancillary series focusing on one sort of little known character is it going to be piano frog or ladder what about the team up buddy comedy that yeah i like it done done piano frog and the ladder (laughs) 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 definitely focusing on the right things over here um i had to i had i don't look anything up which is a nightmare no reddit no googling the last of us but i did do a google and had to not look at lots of things about the giraffe and the giraffe is real which makes me so happy because you know how i feel about giraffes right you know how much i love giraffes and how i cannot understand how they exist and they're like (laughs) the most amazing animal ever but they're also not real that was real they found a real giraffe yeah I, I I did the same. I had to Google it afterwards because um, I'm like, God, that CGI is amazing. Right. The scene in the, the wider shot with all the giraffes later, I'm like, oh, that's a bit janky in places, but it looks good. But I'm like, God, that other giraffe, it's so real. And I realized that, oh, no, HBO did get a real giraffe. And it's just like, oh, okay, it looks so real because it's real. Like, so, and uh, I just, I don't, if I was an actor, if I was playing Joel, watching Bella Ramsey playing Ellie and we had that amazing bond that clearly those two actors have feeding a giraffe I would be looking at I'm like convinced he's not acting in that scene because yeah, I would you be wouldn't keep your shit like together that. at all no. be like, what do you mean I've got to act now no I'm playing with this giraffe yeah I mean I first of all I'm a really push, big puppy first of all I'd be like pushing Bella Ramsey out there and being like that's my giraffe thank you very much um 
but second of all like seeing like your young co-star that you have a bond with you've been you know doing a lot of nights working a lot of nights like you're all knackered you're towards I mean I don't know when this was shot in terms of the shoot but in my head it's towards the end of the shoot and like just seeing her feeding that giraffe and he's looking at her with that love I was like I don't think there's any acting there I think that is just like awesome cast bonding and I'm sure it's sensational acting and I'm so sorry you're very very talented Pedro Pascal but for me I was just like that's exactly how I'd be looking at her did you two cry did you cry Casey never cries at anything she's cold and heartless and has the soul of the devil yeah no Katie has no emotion I think she feels it on the inside maybe slightly maybe maybe quite the drafts uh I I I can't cry around you Rhea, did, did you, you just cry look at, the at me? Of course like, I did. I cry in the game. I cry at this. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Not and not just because it's giraffes. Because giraffes make me cry anyway. Look, I have a giraffe thing, but <laughs> because it's so beautiful. Because it's exactly what you've both been talking about. It is that she is a kid again, and he sees her as a kid, and that brings her back to life when they have this discussion about he was the guy who gave himself the scar on his head you know it's that's why he can't hear out that that ear without the giraffes that discussion would never have happened Mm. and it's and it's just so you know we we constantly talk about this when we talk about the game we talk about the show ellie is 14 and i'm 40 and i lose my (laughs) shit when i see a giraffe and she loses her shit when she sees a giraffe because it's like when she saw this later i would have gone mad would you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would have gone mad. I wouldn't have played it that cool. She does swear at it, which I enjoy. She just swears oh, yes. at giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> She's still Ellie. Yeah. Right. It's just gonna talk me be talking about giraffe. Anything else? I'm gonna say giraffe again. On the giraffe. On the giraffe? No, I think we've covered the giraffe. <laughs> have we? Uh, have we? Should we talk about we can come back to it. Yeah. How are they the giraffe's real? name? Ah, oh, I didn't look. I wish I knew the giraffe's name. Oh. Well, come on, Carl, quickly Google whilst we talk about the next bit. Um, yeah, you, you talk, I'll Google. <laughs> um, we also, so also in that scene, we get the iconic line of you can't deny that view. And like I said, it, it brings Ellie back out of her out of her shell. And then we get this scene between her Nabo. and Joel. Nabo. Nabo the giraffe. Oh, yeah, Nabo. How about it's like a, a piano frog ladder and giraffe and Nabo the giraffe, the three of them. Oh my God, the, the frog could climb up the giraffe's neck on the ladder. Yes. And then sit on the giraffe, sit on Nabo's head. Right. Somebody needs to make this for me. Done. <laughs> I'm, I'm so distracted. Right. There's got to be someone out there giraffes. that's great at the animation or yeah. great at drawing that can kind of just make something bespoke for you that you can hang <laughs> on your wall. Right. Let's stop talking about giraffes and piano frogs and the ladder. The ladder is awesome. Oscar for the ladder. Um, we get the we get the well, the army emergency medical camp place, and Joel's talking about Sarah, and he just says it so casually. How did you feel when he suddenly starts talking about Sarah just like that? I was really surprised. I was like, I thought that that showed a lot about his bond with Ellie. I think that was more of a reflection on how him and his and Ellie's bond, which basically then exactly says. Um, rather than him moving on or time heals everything. I think that was an example of it with how casually he said it and when he said that Sarah wasn't... um, What did he say, that Sarah wasn't here then? Or she was already gone? 
Yes, he says she's already gone, and then he's he says that he got the wound and the ear injury yeah. day two. I think he says. I just wasn't expecting it. It felt like a really big shift compared to the last time um, that Sarah was kind of brought up in the narrative. Like you could really feel that time had moved on and their relationship had built. Um, yeah, it was great. I loved it. And again, I come back to this is kind of it's it's those moments I want to live in a bit more. Uh, and that's why I think it felt slightly rushed because while they were great and it was perfect and it, it kind of did service to the story, as someone that loves the story, loves the show, loves the game, you kind of just want to spend a bit more time with those characters in those moments. But yeah, that change of dynamic was was amazing of, of kind of realising he cares for, for Ellie um, over the time, really worrying for her sort of at the beginning of this episode with the PTSD and kind of doing anything he can seeing that kind of childlike wonder to her, I think then all of his barriers are then broken down by that point. So it, it is now just the, yeah, okay, well, we're going to have this conversation. And it, it just is what it is. And um, it's an interesting change from the game, whereas Ellie sort of semi-forces the conversation by giving him the picture of Sarah. So he yes, starts yeah. opening up, and but she gives him the picture, and that's when he talks about her more. Whereas in the this adaptation, he's sharing it more freely. He's giving her a part of himself he's more comfortable to do it rather than being forced into the conversation so that's a like a really interesting change for me and also we get him showing emotion and crying whereas in previous episodes we've had Ellie doing that crying and he's the one that's uncomfortable and now he's crying and she's like hey let's she's a Katie she's like let's get going no tears thanks yeah let's keep pushing on yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> places to be Oh, I've got to get my brain chopped Brains up. Thank you very harvest. much. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Um, actually, when we're talking about that, when, whilst we're talking about that, when Ellie's talking about there's no halfway, do you think either she or Joel have any inkling what would happen once they got to the hospital? I think that Ellie doesn't fully appreciate what's involved. I think that when she's talking to, to Joel and, and kind of saying slightly further back, you know, I'll follow you anywhere you want, you want to go afterwards. I think she means that honestly, that that she's expecting to come out of this alive and she is expecting to kind of follow Joel to the end of the earth and back if, if that's what it, it means to be with him. I think though, the reason Joel's like, look, you know, are you having any second thoughts? We can, we can just go now. We can go back to Tommy. We can leave. I think it's because he deep down knows that there is a real risk even if it's not the fact they're going to cut her open and you know remove her brain to do whatever there is a risk in in any kind of medical setting so i think that regardless of of the what and the why i think he is fearful for her safety in that kind of situation um so i think that he he does appreciate the fact that that this may not be good for her um but i don't think she has that same appreciation yeah I think that he knows he's going to lose her and he's not quite sure how, but he's been, he's distanced himself from the fireflies already. He's distanced himself from Frederick. He's not a trusting person and he doesn't want to now hand over this um, child he's built this bond with over to someone else to be in their care. And I think it's that, I think he wants the paternal, he wants to nurture her and care for her. And I think Ellie is, definitely not naive about the importance of her role and what she's doing but maybe 
I don't really get a sense of her being particularly fearful about the gonna the, the fact she's gonna lose Joel. Might maybe more of it just being an unknown, but you know, she's been building herself up for that for a really long time. So actually she's had longer to come to terms with it than Joel has as well. Yeah, and it's... I think as so go on, Ray. No, no, you go, Carl, please. No, so I think as well, it, it's kind of from Joel's perspective, it kind of makes sense that he's you know, he lost everything that meant anything to him within the first few few minutes of, of this apocalypse. Um, and then shortly thereafter, the only other thing he had, Tommy left. So yes, he had tests, but we already know that their relationship was, wasn't your kind of standard relationship. So he's got this kind of very individualistic mindset. You know, he is all about, I get what I need. I do what I want. Everything's on my own terms. You've then got the fireflies who are rightly or wrongly, I would say wrongly, looking to make things better at least for themselves i think again there is a, a, we'll get into it later i'm sure i think there's a very a slight difference between the way that the fireflies are portrayed in the game versus the tv series and that it's it's not as black and white i don't think it is black and white even in the tv series but it's not as black and white in the game but they're very much about kind of helping each other helping you know they are a a collective so i think that for joel to have had that broken down, you know, 20 years of 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 this, it's all about me. I'm going to do what I need to do to, okay, I need to care for this other person. I think that that once that, that barrier is down, he will do what, and he does move heaven and earth to kind of get what it is he needs. Um, yeah, and he doesn't care about the rest of the world. He cares about Ellie. And, yeah. that, and that is selfish, like, he loves her very selfishly as a parent loves a child. Like I love my child very, very selfishly and I'm okay with that. I think that's perfectly normal. Mm. So for him, why would he give a shit? Why would he want to get this journey to an end? He just wants to, to get back to Jackson and be her dad. And you see her flourish yeah. and see her happy and see her become a whole person. Like, And I think, although that's selfish, we all relate to that. And I think that's, again, that's something we'll be talking about in, in a few minutes. And and I think it frames it really interestingly in terms of consent. Because I've got notes all about that as well. So yeah. away from Ellie. And, but I think he's got slightly more informed consent, even if I, I love that there's no right decision here, because he's had this conversation and he knows that she doesn't know what it entails. He knows that she said afterwards, we'll go anywhere. She doesn't think she's walking into her own death, right? <sighs> we'll talk about this bit before, now. Before, yeah. before we get there, there's a very important question I have to ask you both. Which is your favourite pun from the pun book? It is this one. It is the one that she says right there. And it is the... People are making apocalypse jokes one. like there's no tomorrow. And it, it's just, it's perfectly sums up everything about the show. The apocalypse, Ellie's character, that whole done. It, it's, yeah, that is my favourite one thus far, I think. Too soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I topical. Think so. yeah. it's oh topical. my God, that was perfect. That's my favourite part. <laughs> Wait, no, come on. We did have the diarrhea one that made Joel laugh, so... Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The camp, yeah. <laughs> so we get to the hospital. Fireflies suck. Flash bomb. 
they're so aggressive like chill out fireflies chill out and we get to the get to the hospital we get this scene between Joel and Marlene where Marlene for me is fanatical the way she's like the way she delivers her lines is absolutely fantastic and I said she because the actress is just Marlene she was in the game and she's she's terrible um and and you know and she's breathlessly saying cordyceps recognize her as cordyceps we're just we're just gonna kill her basically and Joel goes but it's in her brain realizes the shit that's gonna go down like he just gets it and we get this just incredible line for Marlene, which is where she goes, we didn't tell her, we didn't cause her any fear and there won't be any pain. And this is the beginning of people talking about Ellie, making decisions for her, not giving her any chance to consent. And it sent chills down my spine because Marlene believes that that's the right way to do it. And it's just awful so i it's not spoilers as such but this is the one thing i kind of both want to talk about and don't want to talk we're about we're going to do and spoilers it's... at the very end just for anybody listening about season two and game two yeah, so if I, it I won't in that spoil... territory let's save it yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't as such but I, all i will say is there was i think as most people know it's backlash to the, the second game and a lot of it relates to choice and there are kind of two camps. There are those that think Fireflies are the villain because they take Ellie's choice away and they're going to do whatever they can. They are this fanatical group. They're going to do whatever they can for their own means, their own purposes to further their own agenda. And there are those people that think that Joel is a villain because he's not giving Ellie a choice. And, and they're both right. This is the thing. They are both right. Neither of the parties are talking to Ellie and actually asking her, what is it you want? And I think that everyone's got their own opinion. And I think that is the thing that makes the game. That is the thing that makes the TV show great. It's the fact there is no answer. It is about your own interpretation. At no point do you get the opportunity to see Ellie go, actually, this is what I wanted. So everyone will have their own personal opinion opinion on, well, what would Ellie have chosen? And is Joel right? Or are the Fireflies right? And I think everyone's wrong, except for Ellie. And we don't know what that choice is. So it, it's a case of everyone's good, everyone's bad. There is no right, there is no wrong. Everyone's wrong. Uh, and I think that is the real, for me, that's the takeaway of the whole series. That's the takeaway of the whole first game. It's that moment, that decision. And there not being an answer to that, that the kind of really, that's what made the game stick that's what made the story kind of resonate um if it had all been nicely sewn up at the end and oh and they all live happily ever after and, and that was the right decision it doesn't have the same it doesn't land the same i felt like there was more even though how it was delivered there felt like i felt like that was more credibility in the tv show compared to the game that there might actually be a cure mm. and i uh so when i played the game I kind of guessed something like this might happen. And I was pretty much from the beginning, like, ah, oh, just kill her. Give it a shot. <laughs> like, just give it, a, you know, give it a go. If it works, great. And if it doesn't, it's just one person. Obviously, then I 
got to know and love the characters. <laughs> but um, I didn't feel, I, I don't know, I, I felt that Marlene really believed what she was saying. And I, think I think that's the point, really though. As, as a viewer, it. you're supposed to be conflicted. You're, you're not supposed to know, are the Fireflies right? Would this have worked? Wouldn't it have worked? We don't know. That's the whole point. Is Joel right to, to have, have not, you know, to, to have tried to give her some level of consent or not? We, we don't know. No, and that's why he's lying works. to her at the end as well. Yeah, like. he is, because I think he then doesn't want to lose her. He doesn't want to take the risk. Much in the same way, I think, that Marlene didn't want to take the risk of asking her and her saying no. Yeah, Joel yeah. doesn't want to take the risk of telling her and her realizing that's the wrong, realizing that's the wrong decision, and him losing her. So yeah. they're both doing the exact same thing yeah. for their Absolutely. own reasons, and neither of them are right, but neither of them are wrong, because we don't know what the but answer is. If the cure worked, would it have been fine? Well, we don't know. This is exactly it. And but it's also a big if, like so that you know, they're the fireflies are problematic. One, I think their science on both the game and in the TV shows, super shaky, just sort of like, yeah, we've got this one person who may hold the cure to everything. Let's just kill him. Not like, you know, what are you going to like then do if your first attempt yeah. at this? Let's, at this let's try work? some other tests before yeah. we crack open our head and just, take out the, yeah. the, the just go straight from brain. the brain. Yeah, yeah like, like, Sure, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a neurosurgeon or whatever, but, I mean, neurosurgeons, any of you listening, I think you'd probably agree that this is quite shaky science. But at the same time, it's kind of like, if you don't try, what, what you know, you've got to try. You've got to try, look at the state of the world. But on the other hand, the Fireflies, whether you think they're a terrorist group or freedom fighters or whatever, they do have their own political agenda. We know from the very first episode that the Fireflies are losing the battle. If they have the cure, if they have a vaccine, how much power do they suddenly have? Who are mm. they going to decide to give it to? Will and that's kind of alluded to more in the game, that right? they then see that they have this level of control, they have this level of authority. They're never going to give it over to Fedra. Fedra would probably be better positioned to create a cure from Ellie. But the Fireflies aren't doing what's right in giving her over to the Fireflies to help, sorry, to give her over to Fedra to do this. They want to do it firstly because they want to do the right thing, but also so they control the right thing. They control the cure. Uh, and I think for them that that's really important. But it is like a really horrible version of the trolley problem. In the, you know, would you, Katie, kill one person to save the rest of the world well if you don't know that person it's probably an easy decision of course you would but if it's someone you care deeply about even if you know that it's not necessarily the right decision which decision are you going to make are you going to be selfish i'm going to ask then, the person if they'd like to be run over by the trolley <laughs> but if you if you don't have that opportunity if it's they in had the moment. a lot of opportunity. <laughs> Everyone had a lot of opportunity to not just knock her out and cut her brain out. I don't. That's think... on the fireflies. That's not on Joel. But yes, that is on the fireflies. Yeah, that is on the fireflies. But the Joel lying to Ellie after is all on him, and that's and I know why he did it, and you can see the conflict in him when he does it. There's no conflict as he's mowing everyone down. <laughs> but lying to her, you can see that. But that's definitely on him. And that, Yeah. Yeah. And there's something around, like, Ellie is 14. 
putting the fate of the world on a 14-year-old girl and asking her if she wants to die for a cure, asking her if she wants to stay alive and not die for a cure. That is a lot to put on a 14-year-old girl. And the And she can consent, but can she make informed consent? Yeah. She is she's 14 mm. still. And I think the repercussions of that as a 14-year-old girl would have huge ripples in the future. We'll talk about some of this stuff later. Um, but also as a parent, if mm-hmm. my child, if they wanted to kill my child to save the world, I, I'm selfish. I would say no. It'd be no, find another way. And I don't carry any guilt or anything around that. Absolutely not. Like, no. I wouldn't let them do it. And I know it's terribly selfish. But then I also think we all like to think that we're heroes, right, in stories. We all, we've talked about this before. I think I've talked about it on a podcast before. We all think that if there was a brutal regime, that we would be the people fighting against the brutal regime. But in reality, we're not, we're not going to be those people. Those people are unique and hardly ever really, mm. you know, exist outside of, you know, big world events that have happened but also outside of like the stories we tell each other in those stories we imagine ourselves being the hero in this story i don't think i think everything you've both said is completely right joel is not the hero he is because you play as him you're seeing it from his perspective but i think they're quite obviously telling us he is not a heroic person and what he's doing is completely selfish it's all about himself and i would be exactly the same if people said Ria, kill yourself to save the world i'd go no i'm all right thanks and if people, I mean, I'd say it a bit less casually than that, but, you know, nah, see you later. And I'd pop to the shops. Um, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't kill my kid. And I think that's world. why people had that backlash to it, because people play games and they're used to playing as the hero and they're used to there being a a a clear and decisive and defined right choice and for that choice to be made for them or for it to be easy for them to make the right choice. This game, this TV series doesn't give you that. It is great. Everything is great. Joel isn't the hero, but he's conversely not the villain because depending on your view, he did the right thing or he didn't. The Fireflies are both not the heroes, but they're not the villain because again, depending on your point of view, they're either trying to do the right thing or not. It is this morally gray thing where and that's what makes it great because it's not spoon fed to you. There is no right answer. There is no wrong answer. It just is what it is. It happens the way it happens. And then again, yeah, you have to deal with the consequences, which we'll, we'll get the, onto um, later. What about the guy who surrenders? Are we glad he got shot? <laughs> well, yeah. Joel lets one person run away. They don't have a weapon. Yeah. And they run away. Yeah. And the nurses, as we've said. And the nurses, yeah. And you also, I like Joel picking up ammo and guns, new guns yeah, as he's I like going. That. I like that. I thought that's very uh, game-like, but also like very realistic because we know they don't have ammo and stuff like that. And I haven't looked it up because, again, I have to avoid Googling things, but I'm pretty certain the music that they're playing throughout that scene is the music of when Joel, from the game of when Joel is taking Ellie down to the parking garage. It is, but it's a a, a different version of it. It's slightly more, um, I think there's more strings in it, but it's, it's the, like, the same song. It's yes, even yeah. more sad, like making a sad song even sadder. Yeah. 
Thanks for that. Awesome. And then um, another bit you may you may or may not know if you did or didn't Google it, but there is another cameo in that scene yes, with the three Laura nurses. Bailey. Laura Bailey. Yes. Again, critical role fame, but more better known, I suppose, to people that are fans of Last of Us as one of the key figures from the second game. Um, I won't say too much more yet, just in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And then we get to the lie. So Katie's clearly chopping at the bit to talk about the lie. Why don't you lead us into this conversation, Katie? Joel's an arsehole. <clears throat> He's a lying bastard and he doesn't care about her. If he cared, he wouldn't lie. Um, I don't know if that's how I feel. Um, it's great. He was obviously going to lie and she knows. She knows that he's lying to her, doesn't she? Um, he's a bad liar and he's nervous. He chats a lot of shit when he's nervous and when he's covering something up. Um, yeah, she knows. And he's a bad man. He's trying to, I won't be able to find the right words for it, but there's when he's talking about Sarah and trying to be like, oh, you're like, she'd like you. You're the same, but you're not alike. Like he's trying to almost force a bond between them. So that when he's caught out in his lie, it doesn't matter because she's his daughter, right? Because they're the same and and you're just like Sarah. She loves hiking. And trying to do those comparisons, it's it's exactly what you said. He's just filling that space, that silence because of the nerves. And although I agree that he shouldn't lie, I think we all understand why he does. And maybe we could talk about the repercussions of that later. <laughs> I think just before that scene, though, um, firstly, two things. One of the moments of him carrying her, you really get that throwback to the way he's he's carrying Ellie out is yeah. very much the same way as he's carrying Sarah at, at that moment. Uh, this time, though, he gets the opportunity to to do in his mind the right thing. You know, he gets the opportunity. He shoots first and actually it's a success this time rather than the, the first time things happened and he, and he lost his daughter. The other thing, again, for anyone that's not played the game, the from that moment, from the elevator onwards, all the way from the elevator closing, all the way to the, the, the end scene, all of the dialogue, pretty much every scene, the way that it's shot is all perfect to the game. Just for anyone that was interested that hadn't played the game. Um, the way that, that you see the bit with Marlene, the kind of, you see up to the point you hear the gunshot, then you see Ellie in the backseat of the car, then you get the flashback to, to him shooting her in, in the, the stomach, then you get back to Ellie in the car, then you see her, you know, the, you know, you, you I can't remember what the, the exact line is, but it's the whole, um, um, you'll just keep coming for her or, or whatever it is. She's, it's, all of that is, even up the mountain hike and everything, her talking about opening up about Riley um, to the, the last kind of three lines is is all perfectly shot uh to, to the game which i thought was a very good way to kind of finish it that you've got that real uh moment for moment from that cut scene to, to screen why would you change perfection exactly because <laughs> you can't build on the end of the game it's like it's there it's there for you <laughs> just share it with everybody how do you feel about the lie carl i would have done the exact same if, if i were in joel's position every decision he made personally I would have made. I would have saved Ellie, you know, world be damned, because um, I am a very selfish person and I will do what I can for the ones I love. Um, except for you, maybe Katie at times. 
<laughs> that, that'd save you. That'd save you. Um, and I, I would have liked to cover it up as well, to 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 not have to have that uncomfortable decision or, or conversation, and for there not to be the risk of 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 what I've done not landing correctly with the person I love. So I would have done exactly what Joel did. And I think he believes he's lying to protect them both. I think yeah. he's he's convinced himself that it's not just to protect him, it's to protect her as well. Katie just looks outraged. Well, yeah. I I feel like I've I really believe the relationship with Joel and Ellie in the show and I'm much more invested in that than I was in the video game actually. Mm. The first one because I, of course, understood where he was coming from, but I believed it and was more on his side than I thought I would be. Well, I mean, clearly, when I was like, oh, well, maybe it's fine just to kill a child. <laughs> and then when he saved her, I'm like, oh, well, at least tell her you saved her, you big lion bastard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've uh, it's definitely softened me a bit, I and I get it. But I just think that there's even if it's not a case of putting the the whole decision of the fate of the world in her on her um mind or on her kind of on her conscience and even if it's not telling her all of the information the difference between withholding absolutely everything and not starting to to show her that she, that he trusts her as well with some of that information i think it shows a bit of a lack of trust and respect and yes she is only 14 but um, what's a 14-year-old in this post-apocalyptic world compared to um, what society expects of her versus what society expects of our 14-year-old girls? I think it's different. There's obviously similarities and stuff that you're not going to get away from, but the expectations of her are much different, I think, in that bubble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you finish watching the show, when you finish watching the game, you just think about this constant, like it's just constantly on your mind about what was right, what was wrong, what will the repercussions be? Mm. And it's so, you know, I'm loving people having this conversation now, like 10 years after the game. Like it's so exciting that it's like, it's a universal conversation, a universal problem's not the right word, but something that I think, that everybody will have thoughts about and and I just think that's what is mas- what is the masterpiece in this storytelling of both the game and the TV show. Um anything else before we go and do some spoilers? Uh I have a question. How so right back at the beginning, if Ellie the baby was turned, how do you even know? I guess she'd go twitchy twitchy baby twitchy anyway. yeah. I think I would know the difference between a non-infected baby and an infected baby do you think I, I think wonder mushrooms don't that. generally grow out of babies yeah I know the so mushroom, I think... mushrooms don't pop out straight away do they well I don't know how quickly well, I think it'd be born. quite I think even you have been around enough children to know Okay, that's a, a child acting like a child, and that's a zombie baby. Or sorry, oh. infected baby. 
Fair enough. I thought <laughs> maybe Marlene wouldn't have known straight away. <laughs> Marlene would just be like Only... rocking around with a baby in a papoose. That's like trying to like get tendrils in there and you'd be like, oh, just quiet down, baby. Just sh- yeah. sh- need a nappy change. Yeah. Maybe she's hungry. Lots <laughs> of milk. Uh, anything else? Anything else from your brain, Katie? Just any questions? Just <laughs> no. share. <laughs> My brain's done. Okay, well, if you're not going to listen any further than this, thank you very much for joining us on this journey through The Last of Us. I haven't thought about how I'll end this, which is a shame, actually. I wish I'd come up with something witty. But we'll continue talking The Last of Us. I want to do a roundtable with all of the guests, or that's a lot of them, who have been on this show, talking about the series as a whole. In a week or so, uh, for the Femme On Collective, I'll be talking to some of my co-hosts and a guest uh, about the women of The Last of Us. And we will also be doing a Last of Us The Game Part 2 roundtable, because I need any excuse to talk about any of these things. And when Season 2 comes out, I will, of course, be hosting a weekly show. Even if nobody is listening or wants to talk to me, just be me, surrounded by my Last of Us goodies talking to myself you two will come on just every week <laughs> yeah we'll have a nice chat yeah um right so let's go on to spoilers everybody if you don't want spoilers don't listen we're going to talk about part two and what we think is going to happen in the second season okay so do you both know that the that part two is going to be split, split into more than one season no i told katie yesterday i told you yesterday oh, I listening then <laughs> You even went, oh no, because this is the way they'll do it. And I went, oh, are they going to do it like that? Oh yeah, Literally. no, it turns out I, was li- I wasn't listening. So what's, right, what's the plan? What's the, tell me. Well, we don't know. This is the this is the interesting thing. We know that, that season two is going to be split into over two series. And this is what I was saying to you yesterday. If you can just actually listen when I speak, it would be lovely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole thing of, because I was saying, part of me thinks that they will do it like the game. So, for, for again spoilers spoilers but the game is split into two distinct parts where obviously you play through the game as ellie and you get to this really defining moment and then all of a sudden you're now playing as someone else and you realize quite quickly you're playing as the antagonist the person you've been following the whole time you are now following uh, a, another girl called abby who is voiced by laura bailey who had the cameo as one of the nurses at the end of the season so there, I suppose there's the option that season two is Ellie, season three is Abby, and they bring them both together at the end, much like in the game. I don't think that's the way it's going to play out. I think it might be episode by episode in that you've got episode one is the first part of Ellie's story. Episode two is the first part of Abby's story. And they keep kind of going through that and you see the things moving in real time together. What I don't want, and I think it's just because I can't imagine it well enough, although I'm sure if if Neil Druckmann and um, Mazpin are, are kind of involved, it will be perfect. I don't want episodes where you've got both bits happening at the same time and spread over two seasons because I just, my brain can't handle that. I don't think <laughs> I need that separation. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts of how it may play out. Because it's interesting when you play the game more than once that... Um, so the way it happens is Abby is 
doesn't realise she's being pursued by Ellie for most of the time that you're playing as Abby. She's got some other shit, quite important shit going on. Um, And so Ellie will be doing something and they'll be talking about, oh, she's here. And Ellie will be like, oh, how do they know that I'm here? And they're not talking about Ellie at all. They're talking about Abby. And so merging those two things into doing it episodes alternate episodes I think would work really nicely in terms of storytelling because it's such a different medium that I think if you had it if you did a nine season arc of just Ellie and then nine seasons of just Abby you wouldn't understand that overlap in the story it's because you're playing it and you're active in playing it that you start to understand it more and get more of that on multiple playthroughs so yeah I think it just doesn't work doing a complete split but it's such a big story that I think that's how you could se- separate it into, into two seasons. And obviously we get the repercussions of what happens. And let's not go into too much detail because this is not a Last of Us Part 2 podcast. But, you know, so many things that we've been talking about have are what happens in season two, like who's right, who's wrong, vengeance all of those themes just all come together and I think are so more clearly told in part two. One of you is going to have to talk because I can't breathe. All I was going to say is I think that's kind of what you were saying yesterday, Katie, in the, um, I think you were kind of sort of saying that the video game medium lent itself to it being delivered in that way where you've got all of Ellie, then this kind of real clear, you know delineated point where this thing's now going to happen and then you go back and play as abby and it wouldn't really make sense from a video game perspective to have it the way it would be presented in tv because that's kind of what you were saying do you even remember having that conversation or was it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but if you think about it that you're well yeah it's just everything you said you're in control of when you pick it up and put it down in a video game and how you play it and how many shinies you go and explore and um <laughs> all the blades of grass you go and look at like I do and that takes a really long time and to then flip character to character outside of your control of when you're in your sequency it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense mm. it would be too disjointed for a for a game you'd kind of lose the thread but I think for a it will make perfect sense to try and tell some of those stories together although I'd really really like it if you do have that surprise where you still aren't 100% sure what's happening. and I think yeah, it's really going to be, if if they do do it episode to episode, I think we'll probably get two or three episodes just with Ellie and um, in, in town. Then you'll get the moment. Then I think you'll get a few episodes with uh, Abby leading up to that point. So a bit like the game. And then from there on, from when their stories have both kind of reached that real kind of key moment at the beginning of the game, I think that's when you'll then get the episode to episode kind of splits, uh, one, then the other one, then the other, then the other. And that to me would, would work perfectly because you still get a bit of that element of the game that you, you you don't know that this other character's there from episode two or episode one or episode three. You've got some time with the characters you know, with the characters you love, then this thing happens, then you kind of see the why, and then you're on this story of, of these two elements kind of fighting against each other. And I think, as you said, Rhea, quite quite well, 
Abby not knowing really know, knowing that that that's what's happening. Um, you do as as the player, but but or the the viewer, but they're not aware of of kind of each other. I can't wait for people who haven't played the game to experience the shift. Like it's going to be the most. I think I'm going to be more ex- excited about their their reaction and them experiencing that and being involved in it than the actual thing itself. I was going to be like, yeah, you know, My like only... maybe um, maybe you can have your own Google box where you're watching yeah. you know how you like watching people play video games you can have yeah. them watching the tv show a video game just you spying on them well, yeah. that's probably creepy. my only fear my only fear is given the backlash that bella ramsey got whoever is going to be playing abby yeah, i i hope they delete all social media before i i just because you know the face model. I hate fandom. I, you know I, the I, face model still receives horrific, really threats and stuff. Yeah, it's just just disgusting. I mean, sorry, Carl. No, I'm not sorry. Men, you all suck. No, uh, I, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm with you there. Why men is the question I like to ask myself quite a lot. Um, and yeah, and that minor but very vocal fan base is going to make that poor actress's life hell. Like, yeah, I don't envy them at all. And Bella Ramsey, I think after the last episode, I think there's there was so much interesting talk about, oh, will Bella Ramsey be able to be Ellie for part two? Like they're gonna have to recast. And I'm like, first of all, madness. Bella Ramsey is clearly absolutely amazing. And secondly, like after the last episode and seeing that pure rage when she is smashing in David's stupid fucking face, I was like. Bella Ramsey has this nailed. They have got this down. They are Ellie in part yeah. two. There's no, absolutely no question. No question at all. But the acting yeah. just speaks for itself. Like it's yeah. this, uh, this TV series has just been incredible. Like everything that we hoped it would be and everything we were talking about right at the beginning, it's just come, it's just brilliant. And all of the people who are just, clearly assholes i mean there's just no credibility to what they're saying it just doesn't make any sense having watched the tv show and seen how awesome all of them are to even think it's just nonsensical it is it's just people being angry yeah i i don't get it um but yeah that that is my only fear it's whoever gets that role i i don't envy their position at all Mm. i'm i'm hoping that because it's going to be reaching a wider audience, I'm hoping yeah. that that noise will be dulled by the sensible majority of people going, no, this is this is brilliant TV. Uh, give me the opportunity to play the game and then go, this is a brilliant game and actually give some validity back to it. Because I think until now it has been toxic at times. Well, at times it's been toxic, period. Um, but yeah, that's my only fear. It's for the, the person cast for that role is, yeah. But I'm so looking forward to it. How long do you think we're going to have to wait until it comes out? I'm hoping next year, late next year would yeah. be my hope. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think I've not read anything <laughs> or seen anything about casting as yet. So they've obviously not started filming anything. Um, so I think kind of given other shows of, of similar size, you're probably talking you know, 12 months to film, develop, produce and kind of get it out. So I would think 
or probably nearer 18 months, end of 24 would be my hope. Why didn't they just start doing it earlier? How rude. Yeah, what are they uh, doing? What are they yeah. doing now? You don't have anything else to do. Come on. Have fun. <laughs> it's not like Pedro <laughs> Pascal's in do? everything at the minute. No. Although that, yeah, well, yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like I like the fact talk- that we've, we, we're talking spoilers, isn't it? And you were still kind of, yeah. Yeah. Edging but around certain subjects. That's it, because there's, there's other things I want to say, like talk about the repercussions, and I love how that unfolds. And by the end of the second game, you are just completely broken by, because because it's all chopped up, the timeline's all chopped up, of what could have happened in terms of the repercussions of Joel's lie. And we don't get to see that because of what happens throughout the game. And it's just the idea for me that people are experiencing this for the first time and having these conversations knowing what's going to come for them, that there is no resolution. And in fact, the resolution is people need to just let shit go and people can't. And it's just just knowing that viewers are going to have to experience all of that again is just, it's so epic. And I'm so I excited really for hope, I really hope it lands in the same way because Katie and I played through it together and we went from all of a sudden it changes your 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 character viewpoint changes and both of us were like no fuck this i'm not playing this fuck this. no fuck everything and you continue on and then within a few hours you're like okay no i kind of get it and by the end you are so bought in to both of these points of view mm-hmm. you've gone from hating 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 because that's how they've set it up perfectly from hating this to going I get it. It's heartbreaking. I, I, I'm, I'm so bought into to both of these these things, and I, and again, you've you've got that whole dilemma of everyone's the villain, everyone's the hero, no one's right, everyone's wrong. It, it's just so perfectly done again. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that that lands as well. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident though, given given the success of, of season of season one, that they'll do right by the the second game. And I think if anybody can steer the ship through how complex the second game is, is Craig Mazin and yeah. Neil Druckmann. I think they've both proved themselves separately. They've both proved themselves together. Not they need to prove anything to any of us, like you amazing professionals who could do your job really well. Prove it to us, the little people. Um, no, they don't need to do that at all. But I think I couldn't imagine it in anybody else's hands. I'm just... It's so, I don't know if you listen to the HBO podcast, but I'll be listening to it tomorrow and can't wait to hear what they're saying about this episode. But just the love that like Craig Mazin has for the game combined with his epic skills in storytelling. I'm just like, you got this, you got this nailed. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, just as you say, wish it was being filmed now so it can be released <sighs> next month. But yeah. When are we re-watching, uh, binge-watching season one then? <laughs> well I need to do it like over the next week because next Wednesday I think it's or next Thursday I'm talking about the women of the last of us so I want nine episodes to sob my way through what a shame <laughs> you're going to have to be really hydrated yeah, you're going right. to have to drink loads before otherwise you're going to be a shriveled husk <laughs> right anything else before we wrap up our spoiler section and the whole thing 
I don't think so. Other than thank you very much for the invite back a second time. Um, and yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been amazing. We've done it. Nine episodes. We did it. Now just waiting really? game. Time to go and play the games again. What a shame. <laughs> I don't know why I bother buying anything else. Series, yeah. series. Play the games. I've watched other people play it. I've started watching Spider-Dan play it. Um, and you'll enjoy that I'm doing it on a voice chat with him at the same time, which I wasn't able to do with you, so you didn't get to hear me shout <laughs> orders at you. And poor guy is just there taking orders from me as I'm going, you don't need to crouch, you know. Watch out for that guard over there. No, no, why are you doing that? Why aren't you sneaking up on them? Stop using up all your ammo. It's just like, <laughs> poor fella. Use a brick. Ah, yeah. oh, shout out to the brick. No, no brick representation in the show. It's sad times. No. Sad times. Brick or bottle? We've had this discussion over message, but let's do it for real life. Brick, 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 definitely. Yeah, always the brick. Bottle is best for like distracting Distraction. people. Yeah, but brick, brick is, is good best for, for violence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's leave it there. Good luck, everyone <laughs> in the apocalypse. Thanks, Bo. Thank you. Cool.